Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning. And wasn't that goosebumps? I've still got goosebumps from that video. I've watched a whole bunch of times. But the But God story is just, it's so inspiring. And so I'm so excited to kick off this series on But God. And uh, if you've never visited us around this time of year when we do our But God series, I'll I'll give you just a little heads up on what it's about. Um, There are about 60 times that the Bible describes some of the worst economic or covid type situations possible. And then it says, but God came through. And you hear how God turned the whole thing around. So you can read from Genesis, it says, the world was in utter chaos, but God remembered Noah. And then you get to David's life, and these are just a couple of examples, and Saul's coming after David, but God was with David and hid him. In Psalm 72, I love this verse, it says, My flesh and my my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. Jesus said to the Pharisees, getting into an argument with them, he said, With man, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And then Romans 5, 8, I think everyone, probably if you're a Christian, you know this verse, it goes, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God, but God, but God. And so this series is a, is a series of stories of, of but God. And it's also a time where we get testimonies of your but God stories so that we can know what's happening in our church. And so we captured one of the but God stories, one of my favorite people. She is just full of faith. Uh, and so listen to this but God story from Estelle, and then I'll get into our message for today. Watch this. So when Ross said he wants to hear some but God stories, my heart got excited. Um, I've suffered from asthma all my life. I was born with asthma, and I always, everywhere I went, I had to carry an asthma pump, using them day and night. And my grandmother died of asthma. And as a little girl, I had to go to hospital first before I could actually start school. I started school at 10 o'clock in the morning because of my asthma. And I knew that this was not from God. And um, I really wanted to, uh, to be free from it. And so many people have prayed for me in the past. And then the asthma would go away for four or five days. And then the symptoms will come back. And I will just uh, be tired of resisting it. And I'll be back on using my asthma pumps again. But in November last year, um, just in a split moment, I asked Ross to please pray for me for healing. And he was actually in a hurry. And he had his bag in his hand. We wanted to rush out the door. And he said, uh, okay. And I think that the, the prayer must have been three sentences long. It was something like, asthma be gone, be healed in Jesus' name, and it is done. (laughs) But in that moment, I felt the power of God. And I thought, oh, well, that was very short. Um, But anyway, I went home, and I packed all my asthma pumps away. And we are now the end of February, and I have not had one symptom since then. But God, He healed me. And every day I wake up completely surprised that I'm not wheezing, that I'm not coughing. And I've tested it. I'm eating bowls of ice cream. I'm doing exercises. I'm laughing and there's not a single wheeze, not a single cough, not a single symptom. I am completely healed by Jesus. Thank you, God. So the moral of the story is catch me when I'm in a rush. No, that, that's not it. Estelle was so full of faith. I think she sucked that thing straight out of heaven. It was just beautiful. But uh, I want to get into a but God story from the book of Daniel. 
And I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, and then I'm going to dive into some of the geeky stuff. So if you're like a note taker, this is where you want to take notes. But it starts off in Daniel 3, verse 1, with King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So here's the, the geeky stuff. Babylon was an interesting um, empire. It, it was a split away from the Assyrians, but what defined the Babylonians and made them quite different was that they believed that they'd been chosen by the gods to rule the earth. In fact, they believed that the gods, and you can read this in ancient Babylonian literature, the gods had given them special knowledge when it came to medicine, weaponry, and, uh, and technology to rule the earth. And what they believed was that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a warrior, one of the greatest warriors, he was the one chosen by the gods, and therefore he was the one who spoke to the gods. And so they decided to do empireship in a different way, where everybody else would go in, they'd nuke the people, and they would make them slaves or kill them. The Babylonians went, no, 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 we have so much knowledge from the gods, we understand a different way from the gods, and so we are not going to kill you or enslave you, we are going to absorb you. And so what they do, you see this in Daniel chapter 1, is they take three dudes, and Daniel, so four, and they, they take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they indoctrinate them. They change their names. So their names before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Hananiah, which means God is gracious. Shadrach means command of the moon god. Mishael means who is like God. Meshach means who is, who is what Aku is. In other words, Aku tells you who you are. That's what it means. And then Azariah, which means God has helped, they changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nabu. Here's what they were doing. They were taking people and they were giving them a new identity, and then they train them up in Babylonian thinking and Babylonian knowledge and everything about the Babylonian empire so that they will represent Babylon to the people. Now, what's interesting about the guys they chose is that they would have been the smartest, the wealthiest, the most talented. They would have been the influencers of their time. And this is how Babylon rolled. They would absorb you in, and you would lose your culture in this whole system. So Daniel chapter 1, we see that. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, who is a narcissist, an egomaniac, he's like all of those things, he, he gets this dream. But this dream is so vivid and so specific that he decides to make sure I get the right interpretation. I'm not going to tell anyone what the dream is. They need to tell me what the dream is, and then they need to interpret it, which is challenging. And so all the astronomers and the spiritualists, they come along and they try to interpret and they say, this is too hard. And, and eventually Daniel comes to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, I can't interpret, but God is the one who gives dreams and he can interpret them. And then Daniel begins to tell him his dream. He says, you had a dream, Nebuchadnezzar, and your dream was of a statue and the top was gold and that was you. And then it went to silver, and then the midriff was bronze, and then it went to iron and clay. And he's talking about four kingdoms that land up in Rome. And then he says, and then a, a rock was hewn, but not by the hand of man, by the hand of God, and it broke the clay. A picture of the kingdom of God coming after Rome. And so he speaks this to Nebuchadnezzar. Now Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of that, goes, he, he promotes Daniel, he 
praises God. But then by Daniel chapter 3, he's changed his mind. Now he's building an entirely gold statue. It's almost as though to God, no, 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 no. There are going to be no other kingdoms but mine. The gold is going all the way through. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to build this gold statue, and I'm going to bring everybody to worship it. I'm going to cause the gods to repent. That's, that's how he's thinking. And so he does this. He calls everyone to come along and, and worship. He gets the politicians, and he gets the spiritualists, and he gets the community leaders, the religious leaders. He brings everyone who's anyone to come to worship the statue. Now, before we get into the rest of the story, I want you to imagine the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because you're kind of watching the statue get made. Because a, a 27 meter, 90 feet, a, a nine story statue doesn't get built overnight. This thing kind of goes up a little bit by little bit, months, maybe a year and a bit. They're watching this thing go up. And here's what they know they know that when this thing gets built, Nebuchadnezzar is going to call for a ceremony. And the national anthem's going to go, and everybody's going to bow down or die. And they know that everything about their lives is going to be killed on that day. So I imagine that they begin to pray. And I think if I was them, I would have prayed stuff like this. God, you've caused floods before. How's about a flood? God, you've, you've caused some wind stuff before. How's about some wind? God, you've caused lightning to strike. How's about some lightning? Melt that gold. God, you've caused people to make design errors. How's about a big design error? I think they were praying, everything about God, take this threat away from me. And I reckon when it got to like 20 meters, they started going, God, take me away from this threat. Bali will do, Mauritius, Fiji, I'll even go to Australia, God. Just take me out of this threat. I think that's what's going on inside of their heads. But God doesn't move. Statue keeps getting built. And I want to just pause there for a moment. Because some of us, we've been praying, God, take me out of this threat and take this threat away from me. And God is not answering. Heaven is silent. The cancer is growing. The problem is getting bigger. The cycle just keeps getting worse. And we're going, but God, please rescue me from the threat. And, and the thing that you've got to get your head around, when you're asking God for a but God story that takes the threat away from you or you away from the threat, the thing you've got to, you've got to get your head around is, what am I going to do if he doesn't? What's my premeditated course of action if God doesn't come through in all the ways that I'm recommending to him that he should come through. If none of my solutions get, get God's ear, if, if none of my ways come about, how am I going to respond? Because what most people do when they get to this moment, what most people do is that they either go into hope deferred and depression and tantrums and God doesn't exist, and we go into that space, or we go into, I will take things back into my own hands, and I will run to Bali. I will run from here. I will get myself out of this mess, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to what, what they do, and I, I love this verse. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
we do not need to answer you on this point. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But here's the big, big but. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. But even if he does not, but even if he does not, Nebuchadnezzar hears this. He goes mad. And he goes mad for a couple of reasons. The first reason he goes mad is because he's an absolute narcissist and they're not a bang. The second reason he goes mad is because this is his attempt to change the gods' minds, and there's some people who disagree. But there's a bigger reason. The bigger reason is that they're not following the Babylonian way. And for Nebuchadnezzar, what he's done is he's done every single thing he can to serve them. He has taught them the Babylonian way. He has fed them in the Babylonian kingdom. He didn't enslave them. He didn't kill them. He brought them into his palace. He has blessed them in every single way he can imagine. And still, they stand against him. See, this is not just a worship issue. This is a culture issue. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, when God isn't coming through, what are we going to do with the convictions we carry in a culture that's opposite to them? What are we going to do with the convictions we carry when the culture is opposite? See, everybody's bowing down. Everybody speaks this way about the government. Everybody doesn't pay tax. Everybody. We, we live in this world where everybody's sleeping with. Everybody's, everybody's going this way. What are you going to do with the, when the convictions you carry go in the opposite direction to the culture that you're in? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have thought this through. They've got a premeditated answer before they face the fire, because they're about to face the fire. And what I realized about every single biblical hero is that they had a premeditated answer for when they faced the fire. So Job says to God in front of his friends, he says, even though you slay me, yet will I hope in you. Paul, he's about to face execution, and he stands there against an executor, basically, and he says, if I live, it's for Christ, and if I die, I get to be with Christ. It's a win-win. Jesus, he's standing in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to the cross, and he says, take this cup from me, O Lord, but not my will, but your will be done. What are you going to do when God's not answering your prayer? And the convictions you carry are the opposite to the culture you're in. Because these guys smoke it. God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship you. It is an incredible moment that sets them up for one of the most incredible but God stories ever. And this is how it goes. Nebuchadnezzar loses it. The Bible says he heats the fire up seven times, which I don't know how you do that, but it's really hot. Then he gets his... Staunch dudes to come and throw them in. Those oaks get scorched. They get burnt. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they, they fall into the fire. And then this happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king looked and was astounded. And he jumped up and said to his counselors, Did we not throw three men who were tied up into the midst of the fire? 
They replied to the king, certainly, O king. And he answered, look, I see four men untied, walking around in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the burning furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of there. Come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps and a whole bunch of other dudes gathered around them and saw that in regard to these men, the fire had no effect on their bodies. Their hair was not singed. Their clothes were not scorched or damaged. Even the smell of smoke was not on them. Even the smell of smoke. You know, here's the but God moment, and it's so easy to miss this. You've got to be careful because you can miss what the but God moment actually is. You see, we can get caught up in, but God caused smoke not even to smell on their body. I, did a, I met a bride the other day, and I smelt for a day. They, you could get caught up in that. You could get caught up in the fact that they walked into a fire seven times as hot, other people got burned, and they didn't even get burned. But that wasn't the but God moment. The but God moment was that God was with them. In the fire. God was with them in the fire. See, this is why this is so important. So many of us, we're praying the whole time. We're going, God, keep the fire away from me. Keep the COVID fire away from my business. Keep the crime fire away from my family. Keep the, the fire of the economy away from my job. But, but the problem with that is that if God had rescued them from the fire, before the fire, he'd taken them away from the fire. If he'd done that, they would have been able to shout and praise about God's miraculous hand. But they wouldn't have seen Jesus' face. You see, when God is with you in the fire, the God who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's ume. It means I will never, not ever. I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. If God is with you in the fire, then God is going to do something that doesn't just change your circumstances, but it changes you, and it changes the king, and it changes the people. It changes everything. If God is with you in the fire, your tomorrow is greater than your today. In fact, I, I read this text this week and I felt like I was in a fire. And I want to minister to people who are in a fire. Because right now you're in a fire or you're staring at a fire and it looks like it's going to burn down everything that you've built up. And I want to say this to you. If Jesus is your Lord, he is with you in the fire. He will never leave you in the fire. And if he is with you in the fire, then three things are going to happen. The fire is going to result in God's glory. It's going to result in many come to Christ. And it's going to result in your promotion. Let me, let me just read this. It says, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants who believed and trusted and relied on him. They violated the king's command and surrendered their bodies rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. This is Nebuchadnezzar going, that god is the god above all gods. 
This is for God's glory. This, if they'd been rescued before the fire, he wouldn't be praising God. I want you to know if you're in the fire, this isn't comforting, but this is what you got to know. If you are in the fire with Jesus, this thing will end in God's glory. And when you get to heaven, that will be the only thing that matters. Second thing, it goes on and says, Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, their houses be made a heap of rubbish, for there is no God who is able to save in this way. He's doing like some Bible bashing. I've actually got a non-Christian friend who serves with me, and every now and again he misquotes Scripture to me, and he Bible bashes me. It's hilarious. He just has a go at me. Nebuchadnezzar is the non-Christian, almost given his life to Jesus guy who is now telling everybody that if they don't believe, they will die. That's, that's kind of what's going on here. It will result in others coming to faith. But then lastly, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. See, if God is with me in the fire, then the weapon that is formed against me shall not prosper. In fact, it will be used to bless me. If God is with me in the fire, yes, I will experience temporary loss. But I will experience eternal reward. If God is with me in the fire, and this is the promotion. If you really want to understand promotion, promotion is not a position you get. It's an upgrade you have. If God is really with me in the fire, then the person who goes into the fire will be different to the person who comes out of the fire. I just want to say, some of you, you are in the fire right now, and you think that you're getting eaten up, destroyed, weakened, and I want to say to you that you are getting strengthened, weeds are getting burnt off, and the person who went in will be different to the person who comes out. You are about to walk out promoted because you are in a fire with Jesus. And there are so many people right now, you are in a fire. You're facing the fire. And you've been praying, and you've been fasting, and you've been, you've been tithing, and it feels like the provision's not coming. You've been declaring healing over that cancer, and the lumps got bigger. You've been, you've been doing everything you can to break that cycle, and it feels like it's getting worse. And I want to say to you, if Jesus is with you in the fire, it will be used for God's glory. Many will come to Christ, and you will be promoted. Don't get scared when you face the fire. Don't hold back. Don't get terrified. Don't take matters back into your own hands. Walk with Jesus, the one who, he will never leave you, never, ever leave you or forsake you because he will transform you in the fire. Now, because I know some people are facing the fire, I asked our worship team to sing a song. And you probably know the song. There's another in the fire. And the reason I wanted to sing this song is because sometimes you need what your spirit hears to get into your head and heart. And as they sing this song over you, my prayer is that something special that God is doing will begin to saturate your heart with faith. And so that your mind will not be captured by the fire in front of you but by the chair beside you. 
because there is another in the fire. We're going to let these guys lead us. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing next to me There was another in the waters Holding back the seas And should I ever need a reminder Of how I bit me free There is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me There is another in the fire There is another in the fire Oh, my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning either way I'll bow to the things of this world and I know and I know I will never be alone there is another in the fire standing next to me there is another in the waters holding back the There is a grave that holds nobody Now that power lives in me There is another in the fire Oh, there is another in the fire Oh, I can see the light in the darkness As the darkness bows to Him I can hear the roar in the heavens, there's a space between where's thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus He who was and still is and will be through it all So come what may in the space between All the things unseen and this reckoning I know I will never be alone And I know, I know I will never be
As you go this week, every time you see an empty chair, know there is another in the fire. And every time you doubt his intention, know that that one didn't just sit in the fire unburnt. He went into the fire of the cross and had the wrath of God poured out on him so that you can have him always with you. As you go, may your heart be filled with faith. And may God bless you. Have a fantastic week. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.